number of people diagnosed with type 2 diabetes continues to rise worldwide, but some populations and communities are hit harder than others. The reasons for this are complex, as are the potential solutions. I'm Krista Lam, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Beju Shah from ICES and the Sunnybrook Research Institute about his research into the impact of diabetes in diverse populations. So welcome, Dr. Shah. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes. So we have talked about this topic a little bit in the past in terms of working with different communities and how type 2 diabetes risk is associated. So I would really like to know a little bit more about why. Do we know why there is an increased risk in some populations? So, I mean, I think that's a really great question, and I'm not sure we have a really concrete answer as to why uh, diabetes risk is increased in certain ethnic groups and certain populations. In fact, I would maybe argue that it should we should be viewing it the other way around, that, that uh, people of European origins maybe are at reduced risk and kind of everybody else is at, is at increased risk or, reg or at regular risk. Because um, I, I think we found that most world uh, ethnic groups and populations outside of European populations do seem to be at increased risk. There's probably a lot of reasons why that's the case. I mean, some of it may be um, genetic, some of it may be related to met metabolic factors like f uh, fat deposition and insulin resistance in different ethnic groups. Some of it, there's this, always been this hypothesis of the, the thrifty gene phenomenon where, where uh, certain metabolic parameters were pre-selected for it by, through evolution that, that if you were able in times of famine or times of hardship of finding food, being able to retain and store that food very efficiently, that uh, you would survive better. But now in the modern world where food is plentiful and everybody can get plenty of food, that becomes a detrimental um, uh, effect. That's always been a hypothesis. No one's ever actually found a gene that matches that, um, but that is, you know, one of the theories. A lot of the work that you're doing is trying to find, you know, strategies to help people because there are a lot of barriers to information. Obviously, when we're talking about uh, different communities, there may be different ways that are more effective to communicate. So, tell me a little bit about the work that you do. Mm -hmm. So, we, we are lucky in the sense that we live in Canada, which is a really diverse country and I live in Ontario and in Toronto which are you know very very diverse places and so we have a lot of people from a lot of different parts of the world living in in our country and in our cities and so it, uh, it provides us with, in some ways, a unique opportunity to be able to study these questions about differences in diabetes across different ethnic groups. Uh, because we're in one place where we have one healthcare system, one sort of general, like one, one city or one healthcare delivery system, um, where everybody's kind of getting the same care, and we can still look for these differences in both in diabetes rates, but also in how people receive care and what their outcomes of care are. So the research institute that I work in is really focused on population level uh, research and we have population data. So we get a lot of the administrative and health management data from the Ministry of Health of Ontario. And we can use those to study how healthcare is delivered in Ontario and who is getting those services. And so we've been able to use those data and linking the different data sources together to be able to understand both what ethnic groups and what populations within Ontario have higher rates of diabetes, how they are managed, and what are their differences in outcomes. So for example, we've been able to find, as I said earlier, that most ethnic groups are at an increased risk of diabetes. But in fact, once people get diagnosed with diabetes, you know, the care that they get across 
the healthcare system from primary care to secondary care after they've had complications or treatment after a heart attack or something uh, tends to actually be quite equitable. And most people do you know, about as well as everybody else. Um, but the differences really lie more upstream in terms of what is their risk of getting the diabetes in the first place. A lot of um, things come to mind in terms of, we talked to um, Dr. Harpreet Bajaj mm -hmm. about the um, this a similar topic to this, but also in how we can share information. And do you look at that in your research in terms of how do we, we have the information that we know the risk is higher, but how do we effectively communicate it? Right. And I think, I mean, I think that's a really important question. And in part of what Diabetes Canada does, of course, through the, through the clinical practice guidelines, which are going out to all the primary care physicians and family docs across the country is to really emphasize that point that, that screening and surveillance for diagnosing diabetes must be more vigilant in people from high-risk ethnic groups and that is important to, to just have it on the radar and think about it. Um, we have shown in some of our work and others have shown around the world that, that many the risk factors that we think about for diabetes, so for example, excess weight and obesity, you know, much lower degrees of, of obesity are required, or much lower degrees of weight excess are required for other ethnic groups as compared to to uh, European populations, so South Asians, you know, the equivalent diabetes risk at a BMI of 30 in a European person, we see in a South Asian person with a BMI of 23. So much, much lower um, risks, or much lower thresholds are there, and so people have to be aware of that. And I think making sure that primary care providers know that and know to be suspicious of diabetes earlier and that, for example, again, South Asians may be more likely to get diabetes at younger ages. So, so just because somebody is only 40 doesn't mean they don't already have established type 2 diabetes and it's important to just have that on the radar and be thoughtful about it and, and counsel patients whose BMI may be getting close to that 23 where normally you wouldn't worry about it in a South Asian group, so maybe you should. And you know, talk about weight loss and talk about uh, exercise and physical activity and talk about diabetes prevention as well as, of course, screening and then management once somebody does have diabetes. One of the questions that comes to mind is, I know in some communities there may be misconceptions or concerns, um, they, there may be a misunderstanding about type 2 diabetes, and do you encounter that at all in your research? Absolutely, and I think that's part of what makes it so interesting to work in a, in a multicultural place, because you, you have people who've come from other parts of the world who have come with beliefs belief systems and understandings of healthcare and their own sort of traditional health practices from, from wherever they've come from, integrating that into how you both think about diabetes but also care for patients with diabetes. And, and when, I'm, when I'm wearing my clinical hat, that's a really interesting challenge as well to, to try and bring together people, you know, maybe help integrate what their beliefs are and their uh, understanding of what diabetes is and help them sort of come forward and understand where things need to go in the future to keep them, keep them healthy. That also leads me to thinking a little bit about some of the discussions that we've had with Dr. David Campbell and Dr. Jillian Booth, who I know you work with um, as well, mm -hmm. just as they're looking at a lot of the barriers. Um, you know, not living in a walkable community for Dr. Booth and um, housing insecurity for Dr. Campbell and all of these sorts of things. And so when you're looking at different communities, how do you sort of look at the parallels between the barriers that a person might be facing on top of perhaps having an elevated risk already because of their, their ethnic background? For sure. And I think that, I mean, I think that's a really important point because we know, for example, that diabetes is more common in lower income populations 
and work that Jillian and others have done in Toronto and elsewhere have shown that that um, diabetes is associated with both low income and high ethnicity, and those places tend to overlap with one another. Uh, so uh, we we know that there's that sort of cumulative effect of many of these determinants of health, like uh, lower income, lower education, poor integration into general society, um, uh, sort of that sense of marginalization and that sort of feeling of otherness, um, which are established risk factors for, for ill health in general, but we know in diabetes and specifically. And that it's both difficult, it, it makes it more likely to get diabetes, it makes it more difficult to treat the diabetes once somebody has it, you know, of course, we know in Canada we we have a a, a good healthcare system where we are able to provide care to patients for free. They don't have to pay to go see a doctor. They don't have to pay to go to hospital, but they do have to pay for their medications unless they've got private insurance or their you know seniors in in most provinces do have coverage. But that's a real barrier for a lot of people. And if they if they don't have that sort of private insurance safety net, then it becomes really difficult to care for a disease like diabetes, which is so reliant on medications. So I think we need to, to really focus on those barriers and how um, they interact with ethnicity and visible minority populations and immigrant populations um, to help sort of optimize care. And we, we see that all the time again, you know, clinically as well in, in clinical care where, where people who live in sort of tenuous housing or recent immigrants are often at, at uh, disadvantage when it comes to caring for themselves. Notwithstanding the fact that we know that people who are recent immigrants generally actually are probably in better health than the average person because you know you, you don't get to it's, it's not easy to move countries if you're not already if you're not well yeah, uh, that and is so, very true. yeah and so we know that people who are just sort of newly arrived are probably in better health than average but that 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 doesn't necessarily last once you have arrived and you're facing the barriers that come with coming into a new culture in a new country. And some of the things that come to mind when, I, when you talk about this is, are there programs that you're working on, for example, with the health units or the mobile health units, just to sort of raise awareness with healthcare professionals? Because I find like, and, and this is the great part about what I do, is I get to talk to a lot of diverse um, healthcare professionals working in different areas. And I wonder, um, are there things that you guys are working on? I know um, in some of the hospitals, it's a, a priority and in other places, it hasn't um, happened yet where you're talking to those health units about this elevated um, diabetes risk? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's actually, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's far beyond anything that we're doing. I think there's, a, you know, a broad recognition in Canada across the country and particularly in cities and hospitals and healthcare systems and, you know, local regions and so on, where there are lots of uh, minority or immigrant patients that they know that this is an issue and they know that that uh, diabetes is an important thing that needs to be followed. And so we see that in, you know, community health centers. We see that in inner city areas in, in cities across the country. We see that um, that the, the people on the ground, whether it's primary care physicians or it's diabetes nurse educators or or even you know other other primary care providers that you know that awareness of diabetes is is really important and I think it's growing and people know about it and so they know that they need to engage these patients I th a lot of the sort of strategies to to help patients are very locally 
driven and locally grown based on the needs of the people that they're serving in their local area. And I think that's a really effective way of doing things. And it's at, you know, at scientific meetings or at, uh, at uh, conferences or through these kinds of strategies like guidelines and so on where we can sort of share that knowledge and learn from one another about what worked in, you know, amongst, you know, a, a Chinese population in Vancouver. Maybe we can translate that to a Chinese population in Montreal and see, and see if we can um, learn from one another and, and help people across the country. And one of the things I find really interesting about your research, because you look at many different areas, it's not just diverse populations, but you have worked on a number of different projects where you're creating resources that can be really helpful to different communities. And so one of those that I wanted to ask you about is I know that you've recently worked on a First Nations atlas, and that's something that you did with the Chiefs of Ontario. Again, a different project, but the idea of taking information on the databases and what, the, what we know about communities and then trying to turn it into helpful resources. And so can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so that's been a really exciting project that we've been working on and it's just sort of coming to to sort of the final reports and so on in the next few months. But this is work that we've been doing in collaboration with the Chiefs of Ontario and it really started with the Chiefs themselves identifying diabetes as a priority for their constituency, the First Nations people of Ontario, and wanting to really understand better what is the burden of diabetes in in that in their in their in their peoples and across the province, and so we have been using again the linked data at the at ICES to to get really a handle on what's the rate of diabetes, what's the care for people with diabetes, and what are the complications of diabetes across time. So we've been looking over the last twenty years, and we've had some really interesting um, and in, important results come from that. Uh, you know, I won't go into a lot of the details, but I mean, broadly speaking, that that you know, diabetes is growing and it's growing at a quick, a faster rate amongst First Nations people uh, than it is amongst the general population. But you know, the good news is that things like cardiovascular disease are falling, and uh, the rates of cardiovascular disease are dropping both in. First Nations people and in other other people in Ontario, so the gap remains, but the trajectory is the right way, and the the care that people receive once they've actually got a heart attack or a stroke or something, you know, is actually pretty good and comparable to everybody else, which is again I think a, a good news story. Um, but we still have identified obviously that there are still big gaps, that there are still you know much greater burden of of diabetes and of its complications, things like amputations, for example, are much, much higher uh, amongst First Nations people. So we need to identify what, where the problems are, what they are, and then that information then can be used by the Chiefs of Ontario to help plan for healthcare delivery for First Nations people, to help advocate for resources and programs and funding, and you know, really having that, that evidence and that data to demonstrate the problem is so critical to be able to convince policymakers and payers and governments and so on that this is a real problem that needs to be addressed. And then hopefully, again, going forward, that we can demonstrate, you know, okay, we've made these changes as a result of these data and look what happened. And that's, you know, that's what we, we want to be able to do in the long term. And I think with all of the work that you do, and we've talked to Dr. Laura Rosella and a number of people on the show who really look at population health and population mm -hmm. impact and looking at the data to see these things. And so I think my final question for you, like with the broad spectrum of working in very, in you know, different areas, but also having this lens of looking at population, where do you see some of the solutions lie? That's a good question. I mean, I think the, the so the first thing I want to say, of course, is 
if you can't measure it, you can't understand it. So we need the data to be able to see what the problems are, figure out where they are, what are the issues, try to drill a little deeper to understand what might be driving some of these disparities or these barriers or these differences, and then work with clinicians and policymakers and organizations like Diabetes Canada to help come up with solutions and then be able to see what the impact of those solutions are. So I think, to me, um, you know, I think the, the future is going to be understanding where things are, doing something about it, and then seeing what the impact that has so that you can then either abandon it because it didn't work or hopefully see that it did work and, and uh, translate that to other places or tweak it for a different population or a different region or try to uh, expand it more broadly. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. It's been a really interesting conversation, so I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And if you'd like more information on this topic or others related to diabetes, you can always visit diabetes.ca or you can contact Diabetes Canada at info at diabetes.ca. You can also find us on all the social media on all the platforms at Diabetes Canada. And if you liked today's show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really does help others find the show. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.